the Lord's been speaking to me lately about a particular subject. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, applications to this subject. But um, I think the real, the ultimate application is, is that God wants to prepare us for a harvest. Amen? I wasn't going to say all that because, you know, I've heard that so all my Christian life. But I've seen a, some level of harvest all my Christian life. And so, but the, the subject that the Lord's, the, the Lord's been just bringing to me over and over is discipleship, okay? And discipleship, uh, you know, is something I think is just on the Holy Spirit's heart right now, okay? That's just what I feel. Uh, in fact, He's been talking to me for a good while about it, and so... I wanted to talk to you some things that the Lord's been speaking to me about discipleship this this morning, uh, and because so, I think discipleship is something we all need to be involved in, one way or the other. We either, and really for some of you, uh, some of you need to be discipling people while you're being discipled. You know, some of you might not be ready to disciple somebody, but the way you get ready to disciple is by being discipled. You know, that's what Jesus did. He was a, a discipler. So it might be a, kind of an old term. People use the word mentor a lot now. But So that's what I feel the Lord wants me to talk about this morning and <clears throat> maybe a couple more times. We'll see about that because I'm kind of trying to go with the flow uh, that I feel God gives me. But So that's what I'm going to talk to you about this morning. It goes along with her, your word, Melissa, so thank you for doing that. So, so here's, let me just begin this way and uh, kind of explain to you how the Lord has explained discipleship to me, okay? Because I'm really curious about it. I'm not really not curious about how everybody else defines discipleship, I'll be, be honest with you, because some of it just doesn't seem biblical to me. So I'm really interested in how God sees it, and I think that's what we want is, Lord, show us what it means. Show what it really means. So, let me just read uh, Romans 5, verse 5. Uh, here it is. It says, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Hope does not disappoint. Why does hope not disappoint? Because the love of God is being poured out in our hearts. So we can live in a state of not being disappointed. If the love of God has its way in our hearts and, and is flowing in our hearts, and there's nothing more significant in anybody's life than having a real encounter with the Father's love. That is the most significant thing that will ever happen to you is when you encounter that love, it's going to be, it will touch you in ways that you could never, never imagine. And, and so God's love, the Father's love, the love of God truly is the foundation of our life. You, and, and your foundation determines your destiny. Your foundation determines your destiny. You can't build a 10-story building on a one-story foundation. Okay, so a lot of times our lives are not working right. We're trying to build something. We're trying to be something. We're trying to live our lives a certain way, but we don't have our foundation right, and it's, and it's, mess, and it's causing problems in our life. Are you following this? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? About, so you got to get this. If you want your destiny to be fulfilled, if you want your purpose to be fulfilled, why God created you, why you're alive, why you're walking on this earth, you got to make sure that you're walking and standing on the foundation that God ordained and created for you. 
And, and it's all about the love of God, okay? So if you, if you think about it, you know, the Bible says, this is in, in Ephesians 3, uh, verse 17 through 18, it says, basically says this, that we're to be rooted and grounded in love. We're, that's, how our, that's where our roots are supposed to go. That's the ground we're supposed to stand on. That's how we're supposed to live, to live our life is, is by standing on and being full of His love. It says right here, hope flows. I'm giving you my version of Romans 5. Hope flows and disappointment flees because the love of God is working in your heart. Hope flows, disappointment flees. Because the love of God is flowing in your heart. You want your disappointment to leave? Allow, and you want to have hope. You want to look to elect your future and that you see a good future, a positive future. Then you, it's the love of God which will create that kind of thinking in your heart. Amen? That's what, that's what will give you that. That's what will help you overcome disappointment in your life. We're all going to have disappointments, right? We're all going to have things that are going to let us down. People, situations, what we thought are going to let us down. Okay, that's, that's normal, but, but that should be a temporary thing in your life. That should not be a lifestyle of disappointment. If you're living in disappointment, let me just say this this morning. The love of God is not flowing in your heart. Okay, that's where you've got to go to. You've got to go to that place and find out, Lord, let, what's pinching the love? What's, what's holding back the flow? Uh, so another thing the Bible tells us about the love of God is about your faith. Uh, Galatians five six says, "Faith works through love." Faith works through love. In other words, your faith cannot work. It cannot go to work. It cannot do what you want it to do. It cannot lay hold of the things that God has for you, which is that what faith does. It lays hold of it. It can't happen. If, if, if you're not work, walking in love, if you're not living in love, if you don't have this love relationship with God. Are y'all following this? And so you see right there we have hope and faith. Both cannot work, cannot be activated apart from, apart from the, the love of God. So, you know, and when, you're, when your love grows cold, guess what happens? Your life grows cold, right? That's what happens. When your love grows cold, life is... Life was made to be, the, to, to, to be lived in love. The most exciting times of our lives uh, is when we fall in love with somebody. I don't know about that term fall, but it's, it's, it's a good feeling, right? To let yourself love somebody. Uh, right? It, come on. I mean, it, it, married people, are y'all kidding me? I slap your spouse if they don't think that was a good feeling. People in love will do some crazy stuff for each other. Give up some things. So, and it's really important to see right here, it didn't say uh, the love of God has been poured out in your brains. It's been poured out in your hearts. Right, we all know that. If we've been in love, we know it's a heart thing. Your brain can be telling you something else. Don't do it, don't do it. You know, that's a mistake. Uh, But your heart's saying, oh no, that's the best thing ever happened to me. You know, so it's a heart thing, it's, it, and that's where all this thing works, that love works in the realm of our heart, okay? And so God's love works in the realm of our heart. Lots of times we don't understand God's love. And, and here's something that I think is really important. It is not up to us to define what God's love looks like, uh, other than, than, in, than Christ, uh, but circumstantially, we can't determine what God's love looks like. God is the one who authors love. God is the one who determines what love looks for you. 
So a lot of people get wounded and hurt because they feel like God's not loving them. But really, it's, it's like God's not loving me the way I want to be loved. But God's a God of wisdom. Okay, He may not want to love you like that right now because it may be harmful to you. So we have to learn how to let God love us the way God wants to love us because that's the best love. Okay, let, let me read this here. Uh, 1 John four nineteen. This is beautiful. We love Him, why? Because He first loved us. We love Him because He first loved us. So this is how the Holy Spirit fulfills the great commandment in your life. Are, are you hearing me? You know what the great commandment is, right? They asked Jesus what was the greatest commandment. He said, love the Lord with your God, God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, it takes God to love God. Okay? Then that's a grace statement. But that's a beautiful statement. That's an important statement. That's something we need to grab hold to today. Because we're not talking about love that we can create. We're not talking about love that we can make happen. We're talking about only a love that the Holy Spirit can work in our hearts and allow us to receive that love. But if you're really receiving the love of God, something's going to happen in your life. You, you can tell we love Him because He loved us. It's, it's, a, it's an outflow. So if you don't feel like you love the Lord sometimes, that may be just a fleeting feeling. But if you don't feel like you love them and you have an issue about loving God, then your real issue is about receiving His love. Amen? And so that's how we begin to see this thing called the great commandment worked out in our life is God loves us. And out of that love that he's poured out into our hearts and he's working in our hearts, then we have, some, we have this love flowing out, wants to flow out of us back towards God. And that's why some people are just so in love with the Lord because they feel so loved. He who's forgiven much, Jesus said, loves much. Everybody in this room has been forgiven more than you think. Okay, it's a good to be reminded of how much you've been forgiven. Okay, so, um, so everything we do in our life rests on this revelation of God's, God the Father's love. Everything, that's why it's so important. Uh, and it really is the foundation, but, but I want to say this. It's not the building. Okay, the love of God is everything, but it's not the building. You see, this, now, this is really where I want to get to get to, to some people. I want to get to, get to me, okay? Uh, let's read, let's uh, think about it like this. Love always leads to compassion. Love always leads to compassion. What is compassion? Love in action. Love demands something. Love requires, if you're in love, you're going to do something. Right? You're going to make sacrifices. Let me put it on a human level. You fall in love with a woman if you're a guy or a man if you're a woman. Okay? You're going to do certain things for that person that you would do for no one else on this planet. Are y'all following this? So love, love leads to compassion. Always listen. So I read uh, 1 John 4, 9, and let's, let's keep reading. Let's, let's keep going. Verse 20, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother or sister, he's a liar. He's a liar. That's, that's really what the Bible is. You're a liar, you're a liar, you're a liar. If you have hate in your heart towards other people, you, you don't love God. 
there's something lacking in your life. There's a lacking of revelation of God's love in your life. Y'all, I'm just reading the Bible. For he who does not love his brother, he who does not love his brother who he has seen, talking about your natural eyes that see this, how can he love God whom he has not seen? See, you know, John was the disciple who Jesus loved. He's the guy talking about this. He understood love better than anybody of his time. And of anybody of all time, more than likely. Woo! And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Actually, you can take that word must out because it doesn't appear in the Greek. And to me, it skews it a little bit. He who loves God loves his brother also. That's what he's saying. He, in other words, if you love God, there's going to be this love that's going to flow out of you because love, you know, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 14, Christ's love compels us. Christ's love compels. Love's a compelling force is what Paul was saying. We're compelled by love to do what we're doing. We're compelled by love to love the unlovable. We're compelled by love to love the difficult. We're compelled by love to love people who don't love us back. And we're compelled by love to love those that love us in a deeper way, in a richer way. Okay? So, Lord, love urges us to act. It, it puts an urgency into us to act. And that is how the Great Commission is fulfilled. The Great Commission. Did you hear what I just said to you? That you got the Great Commandment, and then you have the Great Commission. The great commandment, if when we begin to walk in the great commandment of loving God and loving Him back, will ultimately result in the great commission being fulfilled. And it will be natural. It will flow out of your life. Are y'all good? You're starting to look at me difficultly. Love has a voice that must be expressed. If you don't, let me just say this. If you don't express this love, it leads to frustration. That, that's what it'll do to you. It will frust, you'll, be feel, you'll start having this fi- frustration, inwardly frustrating. You'll feel frustrated with your Christian life. You'll feel frustrated with everything around you, the people around you. You'll feel frustrated with the church, with all of it. The whole thing will seem like a frustration with you. And ultimately, if you don't let, allow this love to do what it's desiring to do, you could possibly express that love in a very illicit and wrong way. That's how a lot of believers who are awesome believers get into things they shouldn't because they are not letting the love of God have its way in their heart. And the love of God is crying out like, I, I want to speak, I want to do. Just like you did everything you did for Becky, I want to do that for people around you. Are you okay? So... I think this is where revivals go off the rail, I'll be honest with you. Revivals and moves of God go off the rail because people get so touched by the Lord, okay? Over and over they get touched. But at some point, if it don't begin to flow out of you, it's going to get weird. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? It's just going to get slam weird. And all of a sudden, what was a beautiful thing doesn't, is not beautiful no more. And, you, and we've made it not beautiful, God didn't make it not beautiful. It was always beautiful to God. But we, we, we can pollute what God does and make it not such a great thing. Now, I want to make sure you understand this compassion thing because compassion is supernatural. I'm going to just 
to you about this little quick thing. Uh, let's read Matthew 14, 14, verse 14. This is one verse where it talks about compassion. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with what? Compassion for them and healed their sick. Compassion is powerful. Compassion has something. Compassion is not sympathy or human sorrow. It's not, oh, I feel bad for them. They're not doing well. I'm going to try to help them. It's none of that. That's not what compassion in the Bible is. Compassion, like Becky said, is something that comes up in you. Okay, and so it came up in Jesus, and he felt this. It was his love. It was, he was basking in love, and the love that was in him was crying out for these people. Another place it says he saw the multitude, and he had compassion on them because he felt like they were, just, they were just lost, and they were just wandering. Over and over the Bible uses it. And here's the cool thing about that word, compassion. That word did not exist in the Greek language until the disciples saw Jesus do what he did. There was no word, compassion, that existed in the original Greek language. They made this word up. Do you see the ramification of it? They, because no one had ever seen real love in action until they saw Christ walk on the earth. And so that word compassion, they, the disciples created a word to describe what God was doing. Isn't that amazing? I think it's pretty amazing. And so that's when we talk about compassion, it's how the Holy Spirit fulfills the Great Commission. Okay? It's something He does in us and flows out of us. So I, uh, I wanted to tell you this little thing I came up with. Great commandment plus great commission equals true biblical discipleship, which leads to the life that God dreamed for you to have. Okay, so here's what I'm, I'm saying to you. What I see a lot of time in Christianity is the lack of discipleship. They're, Christians are dumb. They think it's the church's job to disciple them. You know, they think it's the pastor's job to disciple. That's not really the Bible. The Bible is a weird to make. He didn't say great commission. All, okay, all the pastors and prophets and, and evangelists, y'all stand up because the great commission is for you to make disciples of all nations and baptize them. They didn't say that. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. Are y'all all right? Let me read what Paul said here. Uh, Philippians 2.4. Mercy, Lord. Am I talking to the wall? Let each of you look out not for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Now listen, this is what the Bible teaches. Okay, that word interest there is an interesting word, by the way. Did you get that? Interest is an interest. It, it's an open-ended word. And in, in, fact, in the original language, it has no clear definition of exactly what it means. In other words, it could be say, let, let each of you look out not only for his own finances or his own business, or his own family, or his own spiritual growth, or his own well-being. That's what it means. It can mean any of it. It can mean a myriad of things. What Paul was talking about, don't just live your life for yourself. Don't be a self-centered Christian where all you're doing is living life for what you do and what you can get from God and how God can touch you. But you don't have this concept that God's concern is, is, is about everybody. And everything that God does for any of us, it's meant to flow out of us. 
And that's, this is really what the Bible teaches. This is how the Bible teaches us to become disciplers. Your best friend can be your greatest discipler if they're a good best friend. If they're, if they're spiritually minded, if they love the Lord, or if they have something that's going on in their life that you look at and like, I need that. I need what they have there. I'm going to get around them and let them begin to impact my life and touch my life. It's the, it's the way the kingdom of heaven works. Let me read this other verse here, Matthew 10, 8. Matthew 10, 8 says, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Those are all works of Jesus, right? That he wants us to do. Listen, freely you have received, freely give. That's the way the kingdom of God works. There's inflow and there's outflow. Here's what I found out in my life. In my life, this is what I figured out about me. If you'll, pay, if you'll become self-aware in a good way, you can figure out what God wants to do with your life really easy. You, you know, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about being self-aware in a sense where you really start to understand what brings life to you, what caused you to come alive, okay, or what caused you to wilt inwardly. And so I found out some few things in my life that give me life. And I'll tell you one thing that, that absolutely causes me to, 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 to wither. It's when I don't have people speaking into my life. And when I'm not speaking into other people's life. When I'm not looking at people and trying to see what's in them and trying to help them get to where God wants them to go. And I'm not talking about that as a pastor because I found myself doing that when I was probably the worst person in the world who should ever help try to help anybody. I was doing that 40 years ago. But I'll tell you how it started. It started when I began to allow myself to be discipled by other people. And I pursued it. I pursued being discipled. I found people. I looked around me and wanted and looked at people who I thought had something. And I, just, and I went to them. Will you disciple me? Will you help me? And see, I think we're lacking that. And I think it's a lot of you, your, your spiritual growth is stunted because of it. Because you're not going to grow the way the kingdom of heaven works. You know, it's like taking a plant and putting it in a dark room. Plants don't grow in dark rooms. Plants were created to have sunlight. You, create, you put a garden out, you've got to have sun for that garden, right? I mean, that's A, B, C, you know, one, two, three. You've got to have sun, water, you've got to have things for it. You've got to keep the weeds out of it. There's certain rules that nature have for growth. Well, there's certain ways the kingdom works for growth. You want to grow spiritually? Do you want to become everything God called you to be? Then you have to, you have to answer this question about discipleship. You have to ask yourself, am I being discipled? That's the first question you have to answer. And if the answer is no, then you've got to, you've got to really like, Lord, I've got, to get, I've got to get with the program here and get discipled. And then once you begin to get this thing going in you, you're not even going to have to answer that question about discipling others. Because it's going to flow out of you. Because that freely you have received, freely give, it'll start working in you. You may not even, I wasn't even conscious of it for years. I couldn't connect the two. I couldn't connect my desire to be discipled and people speaking into my life with my desire to look at other people to try to help them. I could never, I never connected. And the Holy Spirit had to show me. Why do you think you did that? You, you think it was because of a pastor on it? It wasn't. It was because of a discipleship anointing.
And, that's, and that causes growth in me. That causes contentment in me. If I'm not speaking into some, in, you know, if I'm not speaking into some younger people's life, I'm not happy. I, I might not even know why I'm not happy for a while. I'm not content. I feel like there's something lacking in my life. And then the Holy Spirit says, you're just not, you're, you, you've, you've backed off. You've, you've withdrawn yourself. You've done what many men do. You go live in a cave. Guys, listen. Especially men. You, you can't live in a cave. That's not God. That's not God. That's why Paul even said it back, back years ago in the Corinthians. You've got a lot of teachers, but you don't have fathers. Why don't you have fathers? Well, some of those teachers could be fathers, but all they want to do is teach and then run home and hide. And some, and some of us are unhappy Christians or failing Christians because all you think about is yourself and about your situation in life. And you've focused on that. And some of you have gone, I'm just going to be real with you, some of you have gone through 500 inner healing deliverance things and it don't seem to ever stick. It may stick for a day or two, but it goes back. And here's why. Because it's all about going into you. There's nothing coming out of you. And we're not living our life in a biblical way. Y'all, I ain't fussing. I'm talking to myself. This is what the Holy Spirit's been talking to me about. I'm just saying, I'm trying to... Marlon did a great job last Sunday. What well, he says, I'm just exhorting you. I'm not trying... Well, I'm exhorting you in a little bit of a different way this, this, this week. You know, so don't take it that I'm fussing. What I'm trying to say is if we want the things that we are crying out for God for, we want a harvest. Right? Oh, Lord, send the harvest. And he would say, why would I send the harvest? Because you're going to waste them. Because you can catch them all day, but who's willing to go clean the fish? I can't find me. That's why Jesus said, pray. Jesus himself knew this was a problem with humanity. Pray for the Lord of harvest to send out harvesters, laborers into his field. And there's a calling from the Lord right now for this. On everybody in this room, every one of you in this room, there's a calling from God for you to say yes to discipleship. To say yeah, and, and what you're saying when you say yes, it's like you're saying yes, I want to be discipled. I'm saying that today. I've been a Christian for forty something years. I've been a pastor forever, and, but I'm saying I need to be discipled. I need other people speaking into my life. I need people correcting me when I'm wrong, and I need people giving me what they have, imparting to me the things that God's given them. So I can really begin to walk in those things. And I desperately need people that are willing to say, I want what you have. Okay, if you really want it, there's a price to pay for it. There's a price to pay for every disciple. So, you know, mercy, Lord, right? (laughs) So receiving and giving equals, I'm I'm a math guy. Receiving and giving equals discipleship. Are you giving? You're receiving. I promise you that. You can't be a Christian in America and have some, even an inclination towards God and not receive. You know? Because God's just throwing himself out there all the time at people. We have access to God. But are we giving? Are we willing to, to look after the interests of others? Are we, look, are we willing to look for people that, that need what we have and be willing to take the time to give it to them? 
and care for them and love them and speak the truth to them even when the truth hurts. Because I had a few people decide me that stung me badly. But I needed to be stung. Y'all gotten really quiet on me. This is what Paul said. But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. That was his whole goal. Was to bring people into this love relationship with the Lord. So not just so they could bask in God's presence and bask in God's love and just be blessed. And I mean, I love all that. I could do it forever. And I'm going to do it forever. Okay? But I also realize there's something else in me. There's this, that, that love, that presence of God that comes, that I receive. It, it starts crying out. And I feel that right now. I feel God in me crying out for expression towards other people, which to me says it's discipleship. That God wants to disciple people and bring them into their fullness. And if you look out for the interest of others, God will look out for your interest. I'm telling you that now. Let me say, if you will begin to look out for the interest of others, God will look after your interest. So some of you self-centered Christians who all you do... You know, it's all about you. Everything's about me. Everything about what God ain't doing or is doing in my life. You know what I'm saying? If you begin to shift your focus outside of self, okay, and begin to look to others, guess what God will start doing? He'll start taking care of those things in you that you desperately want Him to do. Because that's what He does. You know, He, he begins to take care of you and your interests, and the things that you care about, your family, your finances, your relationships, your situation, God will begin to step into those things for you because God, that's how God works. Okay? He'll, begin to, he'll send people to you. He will send answers to you. He will see when you begin to do this, promotion, honor, and blessings will start knocking on your door. I'm telling you, they're not knocking on some of you's door because you're a dead sea. All you do is receive, nothing comes out of you. So blessings and honor and prosperity that God wants to give to you, they're walking down the street and they're saying, there ain't nothing flowing out of that house. I'm going to go find a house where it's flowing out because what I give, I want it to keep going. So if I give that, these blessings and honor and promotion to you, this is going to die here with you. And God doesn't give stuff to die. He gives stuff to live. If you're a businessman today, there's young people who need to be brought up in the business world to know how to learn how to do kingdom business. If you're a missionary, if you're a preacher, if you're just a Christian who loves the Lord and has a lot of revelation from God, there's other Christians that need what you have. What do y'all think about that? Yeah. Woo, Lord. So... So that's what the Lord's calling us to, I think. Anyways, I wanted to say one more little thing. This is not about discipleship, but maybe it is. It, it is about discipleship. Since we didn't get to announce it last week because there's so much going on. The, the, I was, saw Tony's shirt, Love Life. You know, we went to that. We prayed that we, that we had uh, Andre a couple, couple, two or three weeks ago come. Remember that? He was awesome. Wasn't Andre awesome? Uh, they do hard sales. I don't, I'm not a hard sale kind of guy, <laughs> but that's all right. There's a time for a hard sale. But So people prayed and fasted on that Wednesday. And I'm just, just in case you didn't know that, five women on that Wednesday when we prayed and fasted 
decided not to have an abortion. That's on Wednesday. Isn't that amazing? Saturday we went down there, and it's amazing. This is something any Christian, if you can walk and chew chewing gum at the same time, you could do this. You could do what they do. They do it every Saturday. They, every, every Saturday there's uh, churches that have adopted that week that go and walk. And it was amazing because I was always against the, Dean ain't here, the Dean Stein method of getting locked up. He got locked up 17 times, Dean Stein did, for being, you know, laying down at the door of a abortion clinic. You know, that was, <laughs> God bless Dean, right? I never really liked that kind of stuff, to be honest with you. I can I could never conclude this with me, and I still haven't. It doesn't need my approval, but I don't approve of it for me. You know what I'm saying? It just didn't sit right with me. For me, other people like Dean, obviously it sat real well with him because he was crazy enough to do it and get locked up 17 times. <laughs> but this, this, is not, this was not like this. This was more in the terms of prayer, but effective prayer. And then that day, there were only 15 girls going to get an abortion that Saturday. Only 15, which is way less numbers when they started, it was like 56 gir- 50 or 60 girls a week that were getting abortions. Every week, 50 babies being killed or something like that. I don't remember the exact number. But since they've done, started doing this thing, the numbers have been significantly reduced as far as the ones that are even going to the abortion clinic. And that day, 15 were going to do it, 7 backed out. That's 12 babies. Listen, 12 babies because a few people in our church and two or three other churches here in town decided we'll take the time to pray. Some of us can take the time and go and walk and pray. And 12 human beings, 12 human beings were saved. Now, I'm telling you, that's, that's God. That's really God. And so I just want to encourage you, you know, I just wanted to say that because I thought it was a, a just beautiful it was just beautiful to me. And I love to be able to do some kind of outreach that I feel like I can adequately do. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't like, God, I'm a square hole. I'm a square peg and this is a round hole. And I just can't fit in this for some reason. But I could fit into that to that really easy. And Amen? Amen. So I want to get back to the discipleship thing, though. Okay? Because I just believe this is on the Lord's heart. First of all, I, I think some of you in this room need, here's what you need to repent of, is self-centeredness. Okay? Because that's what holds you back. It's living for yourself. That's not the kingdom of God. Now listen, there are going to be days you need to deal with yourself and take care of yourself, right? I'm not saying that. That's stupidity. Every day you need to take care of yourself. Every day you need to take a bath. Right? You need to go to work and make sure the family's fed. I mean, duh! Right? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that when you live for self. When all, everything's about you. Everything's centered on what's happening or not happening in your life. And you're consumed. You're consumed with self. That's where, it has to, that's where you, the shift has to happen. If you're going to be a, a real follower and disciple of Jesus. Because Jesus said, you're going to take up your cross. You're going you're gonna to have to give up some things. It's going to cost you to be my disciple. And the cost is this. It's the self-life. That's the cost. It's living for self. That's not a big cost when you really realize it, when you really start stepping into God's way, His way of discipleship. And so once you start doing that, 
and you make this decision. You got It's a decision. It's a choice that you decide. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna be intentional about this. I'm I'm not gonna just go to a Bible class. That's a great thing to do. But I'm not talking about that right now. Going to a Bible class. I'm talking about truly being discipled. You, if you look at the way Jesus did it, he wasn't always. Most of his teachings were other other people. He was being with these people and letting these people connect with you. And you've given what God has given to you. And however form that takes. It may be studying the Bible together. I mean, that's, that's beautiful. Or it may be just being together and talking, praying for each other, and being committed to, to blessing people and loving people where they're at. I'll, I'll end with this. Is I had this amazing dream a few years ago which I really didn't understand until the Lord started talking to me about discipleship. And the dream was this. I went to heaven, okay, and it was just unreal. I, it, was, it was unreal what I was seeing. But here's the thing I didn't see. I didn't see one angel. I didn't see one uh, person who died and went to heaven. I didn't see Jesus. I didn't see God. I saw nothing. But what I did see, every direction I saw was streams of water that was amazing just as far as your eye, and I could see a long way in heaven. I mean, I could see from my, I had an eagle eye. I could see all these strings, and I knew it was Psalm 46. I knew it in the dream. This is Psalm 46. This is the tabernacle of God. God's in the midst. This is the thing that brings joy to God. And I heard this voice behind me, and this voice says, heaven was never meant to stay here. That's what this voice, heaven was never meant to stay here. And I thought, wow, heaven was never meant to stay here. Then he said this, every human being that was ever created has the ability to carry heaven in them. Every human being has the ability to carry heaven. And I thought, this is what I thought, oh, man, I can't wait to tell Becky about this. I've got to go let her know that we're carrying heaven. We can do something. And so the dream shifted at that moment. And I shifted back to the front door of this church. And there was a receiving line, people waiting for me. But, you know, it wasn't Becky. It wasn't the people that loved me. It wasn't people that loved God. It was people who had been against things that God had done. And they were all standing there waiting for me to come back and give them heaven. And I didn't want to give some of them heaven because some of them personally wounded me really bad in my life. They were there, but they were standing there. And I realized at that moment, and when I touched the first one, I felt this compassion in me in this dream roar out of me. It roared out of me. It was heaven roaring out of me. It was heaven. And I knew, and I went down the line, and people that I really did not like, and never, and some of them I thought, if I ever see them again, it'll be too soon. And if they're in heaven, when I die, I hope they stay on the other side. You know, just that kind of thing. Lord, I'm forgiving them, but I don't have to be their friend, and I don't want to be their friend. You know, I'm just going bl- to put my blinders up. But in, when I came back, I was so full of the compassion of God, it, it, it overcame me. It, it urged me. And you see, I think ultimately that's what God's going to do. I think there's going to come a day when the compassion of God is going to overcome us. And it ain't going to be, should I pray for this person or should I help this? You won't be able to help it. You'll be like what Becky said when she, and I know that boy. That boy was bad. He was hard to be around. And, but when she touched him, she felt God's heart for him. She felt God's love for him. And it came out. She didn't have to do it. It wasn't, 
because he was her nephew or any of that. Because like she said, the whole family don't like, oh, stay away because you're going to bring trouble. And see, God wants to do that. Okay? He wants, he wants to use us. He wants you and I to be his disciples. And so the question this morning, do you want to be his disciple? Are you being discipled? That's, ask, ask, ask that. Be honest. You don't have to answer me. Be honest with yourself. Be 100% hard honest with yourself. And if the answer is no, here's what you should say. Oh, thank you, Lord. Show me who should disciple me, Lord. And when that person comes to you to say, hey, will you disciple me? Your answer is like, heck yeah. Come on. We're doing this. And one thing I found, i got to let you go. But one thing I found in some of my really early discipleship relationships, because I'm going to tell you who wasn't pastoring me then. I went and tried to talk to them two or three times, and they were like, mm, go. There's people that can help you. I'm not. It was the pastor. But I had some people who disciple, and after a while, their discipleship was so effective in me, so effective in me, that I well, I turn, it's like God, excuse me, I'm not a spitting preacher. <laughs> but every once in a while. You've heard of them old Pentecostal preachers that had them plastic shields up? I'm just messing with you. They actually are people who've done that, but I'm not one. God turned, it's like God turned it, and I began to disciple them. They began to open up to me about some things in their life that were not good, and I was able to, like, yeah, I know exactly and actually, six months ago, you actually helped me through that. So I'm going to tell you how to get through it because, some, because I was helped through it. You see what I'm saying? It can be just a beautiful relationship. And a lot of our, Becky and I will tell you this, a lot of our discipleship early on in our Christian life was through our friends. But we chose friends. We chose godly friends. We chose people that we knew had something yeah, that were going out to the Lord, had passion for the Lord, was, were sold out to the Lord. And we said, we want to be like that. And I realized, I'm not like that. See, that was the thing that got me. I'm not sold out to the Lord. Everybody else says, the way I used to feel going to church. Anybody y'all feel that way? You go to church, everybody in there, boy, they're the best Christians on the planet. But I'm, what am I doing here? I don't belong here because I'm, I'm sitting here fighting to get through the day without backsliding. I mean, literally, that's what I was in those days. But it, everything shifted for me. I quit being that person when I started being discipled. I quit being that person. I quit being the guy who could barely make it. And, start, and it was like God started investing in me. And I could go back to those people today and say, God, I, can't, I would have never been able to fulfill my calling apart from you. I would have never done it. Because you took the time for me and you loved me and you spoke into my life when I really wasn't worthy for anybody to speak in my life. I didn't measure up. I wasn't good enough. But you did love me and care about me. And so we never know. You never know. When you start discipling people, the future impact, that person could wind up being like the next Billy Graham. Amen? So why don't you just stand up? Woo, Jesus help, right? Yeah, come on. When Byron and I were praying for the service this morning, I didn't know he was preaching on this, but I had a vision, and it was of a teapot. And so I feel like the Lord just wants us to get filled up because I'm a little teapot, short and stout. 
here's my hand on, here is my spout. When I get all steamed up, then I shout, just tip me over and pour me out. So, amen. And I didn't know what that meant this morning when I saw it, but it was really good. So, are y'all ready to be teapots that get poured out? You know, because that's really what it is. We get filled up with the love of Jesus, and that love of Jesus causes us to want to pour it out, right? So, amen. You're gonna you're saying yes to his love in a new way this morning. That's what you're saying. I'm saying yes to your love in a new way, Lord. I'm saying yes to the Holy Spirit, pouring out that love in my heart in a new way, in a fresh way, which is gonna do something. And Lord, I'm saying yes to whatever that looks like. But I do wanna be that person. I wanna be that person who's discipled. I want to be that person. Just say that to the Lord. Tell Him, Lord, I want to be that person that's discipled. I want you to disciple me. I want you to bring the people in my life. I want to, I'll go after the people, Lord. You make that commitment. Lord, show me those people. Show me the one, Lord, that should be doing it, or the ones. Show me the ones. And be committed to step towards those people. And if you're one of these people that somebody steps to, by all means, by all means, take it dead serious. Because it's an assignment from the Lord. Mm. It's an assignment from the Lord. It's discipleship. And I'll tell you, one day we'll look back and we're like, ooh, look what the Lord's done. Look what the Lord's done. Because God is going to bring a harvest. And when it comes, it'll just be natural. It'll be natural for us to bring help His harvest, be harvested and brought into His kingdom. Amen? Amen. So say yes to the Lord is what I'm asking. You don't say yes to me. You you know, you're saying, yes, Lord, I'm going to be this follower of Christ. And Christ was the greatest disciple, Lord. Amen, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just pray you release that grace this morning. I I believe everything we do, Lord, everything you've asked us to do, if if there's not grace, it doesn't work. If it's not the power of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't work. So we are asking you to release it now in Jesus' name. Just release grace in here. Release grace in here, Lord. Release grace in here, Lord. To be disciples and to be disciplers. Put that hunger in people's hearts. Lord, let these self-centered people in this room, let them be convicted this morning. Let them see a way out of their self-centeredness. Let them see that you're opening a door, Lord, to get away from living for self and living miserably and not being satisfied and and not getting the things that they want in life. Let them see there's a way out this morning. Let them see a way out. Let them step through that door, Lord. And I ask you to confirm it, Lord. I ask you to reveal it, Lord. I ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Lord, please, Lord, we're asking you today, Lord. We're asking you today. Do above and beyond what we could ask or think, Lord. But Holy Spirit, we're asking you to come on people right now. Give me this minute here to pray. Holy Spirit, we are asking you to come on hearts right now. We're asking you to do everything you said you would do. We have sung that you're faithful and you would do it again. We believe that. We believe that. We believe you you answer our prayers. We believe you fulfill your word and your promises. Now, Lord, we ask you to do that today. We ask you to break some things off in people today that's holding them back. We ask you to break lies off. Lord, I just pray for those who are dissatisfied in this room today that you would just grab hold of them and remove that dissatisfaction even for a moment to help them see clearly what's going on in their lives. And those who think, I can't do it, I'm too busy, I'm too tired, I'm too old, I'm not good enough, whatever it is, Lord, I pray you would show them 
that that is not true. Because, Lord, we're, 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 it's God who works in us to will and to do His good pleasure. And we're asking you to work in us, to will it and do it, Lord. Your good pleasure, Lord. This is not a yoke. This is not a burden that you can't, can't be yoked to and burdened by because it's the yoke of the Lord. It's the burden of the Lord. And He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, Lord, we just want to put our excuses at the foot of the cross and just leave them there and allow for the freedom of the Holy Spirit to work in our lives in a fresh and new way. Woo, Lord, help. Yeah. Yeah. and read this word over you. It's in Acts 13, 47. It says, This is what the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set you to be a light to the Gentiles, that you shall be a salvation until the ends of the earth. You will be an instrument. William was talking about being an instrument of the Lord to be a salvation, to be used to bring salvation to people. I believe there is a calling today. But it's, that calling is based on love. We have to be able to receive that love to then be able to give it out. So I just, I just want to continue that. The Holy Spirit is here calling people to be disciple and then to disciple others as well. So thank you, Lord. Yeah, I'm praying about that right now. Yes. Let's pray. Let's cry out to the Lord for his love.